lot, lot of creds right there. That's a heck of a question you asked. No. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye of the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. Welcome to the Seattle Overload tape review of the Cardinals game where the Seahawks completed their sweep over Arizona. We'll also have our Seahawks Seahawks Buccaneers preview where I am currently in Germany. We are recording this at four past four in the morning, my time. I have not been to sleep. I was last awake at 8am. I am on a 20 hour pattern right now. Let's go. Griff. You yeah. you made me go viral, which was nice of you. You didn't need to do that. I did. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I clipped that that clip of you asking Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll about his um his, his personal history with, with with the bear front um and how it relates to modern football and you got quite the interesting answer, didn't you? Yeah, it was it was detailed. No, it was too, it was too personal. Yeah, you you um you cut a little too deep, and he he um neglected to answer, but he did um he gave a little pat on the back in front of everybody, in front of the whole football world. There we go. Um, there that was go. very that was very cool. Now, um, Griff, everyone... I also did enough of this niceness. I also did some investigative journalism today. You sure did. Have Let's... you have you noticed this investigative journalism? Uh, what what are we referencing here? Because my well, well, clearly not. Different ways. As a man who obviously studies volcanoes, oh sure, yeah. You 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 know you're familiar with taking pictures of objects, and I went. I uh, spent my entire morning to visit the Olympic Tower in Germany. Oh. Um, I saw NFL Deutschland after tweeting a picture of Geno Smith on the Olympic Tower. They tweeted a picture of Tom Brady on the east side of the Allianz Arena, which then got me very concerned that, in fact, NFL Deutschland was lying no. and that um, the Geno Smith image was photoshopped. So you're saying it was perhaps a propaganda campaign perpetrated by German media? Big quarterback, Yes. I actually know it was because I then visited said Olympic Tower, which uh, is a bit out of town, and there is no Geno Smith on the side of it. It's a big scandal. Wow. Now, so then you promptly you turned back to your hotel. I, I took the U-Bahn. The, the U-Bahn? U-Bahn? Oh, the U-Bahn. <laughs> okay. Okay. And... Um, <laughs> Greg, Greg Bell, um, unfortunately, in the press conference today, uh, Gino Smith said, I thought it was sh- photoshopped about this image, which, which yeah. it is. But yeah. to find out it's real, I'm honored. So, so Gino in the talk. press conference has been told it's real. So I think it would be in the Seahawks' interest if someone let Gino know that actually NFL Germany has you know, literally not wrote him onto this tower. He has been wrote off the tower Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. that is extra motivation for the seals quarterback Mm, yeah he'll let his throwing do the writing back yes um come sunday now 
I wanted to buy a, a, a copy of the New York Times and put it uh, next to the Olympic Tower, you know, the old uh, date. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the tobacco, which was selling newspapers next to the Olympic Tower, only took cash. It's only took cash, and I take it that you only had digital means of... I did. ...of transference of currency. Germans call money geld, which is quite geld. a medieval, isn't it? Yeah, that, that, that's really, that's kind of going back a ways, isn't it? That, that's cool. Well, we somewhere. mustn't talk history. We mustn't talk history. <laughs> but Maddie, if we don't talk history, we'll be doomed to repeat it. Well, that's why I studied history. Oh, also, I, I like That's why history. you've studied the bear front, because it's <laughs> not new. It goes back that you learned. Centuries from... and centuries. Or maybe just decades and decades. We don't have to go that far back, right? Oh, yeah. Sorry. It goes back to Pete Carroll's time at, you finish the sentence. NC State. NC State. That's right. Even It even predates um, USC, predates even his time at the 49ers. Because of course. Because of course. I mean, odd fronts go back forever, but this specific, you know, front and everything. Um, anyway. Have we riffed enough? Yes, we've riffed. There's a good intro. I'm still in Germany, so there you go. I'll still yeah. be in Germany when you hear me on Sunday after the Silks played the Buccaneers. But before we preview that game, the Cardinals tape. And it was pretty damn good. If we start the defense, Griffin, yeah. they kind of had a great game plan for Cliff. I think there was a nice element of the, the two sort of ju- uh, duking it out. Cliff let down by his player's execution. That is also his responsibility as a coach, but... His, some of his ideas were there, right? But I think right. obviously... Especially, especially in the opening script, and then it fades. But Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm that's sorry, a, that's always been a bit of a cliff thing. No, no, I'm laughing because it's very it, true. It fell off a cliff. Yes. Uh, the, king's be- the king was buried. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, <laughs> so well, I was going to... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. I thought I was the funny guy, and I thought you were the straight man. So why yeah, are you? True. Because remember, That's... I'm the I'm the comedy guy. Ah. So Maddie, let's save the jokes for me. Yeah, you're right. Um, you're right. Um, anyway, anyway, we're tight, getting... tight. Cut this bit out. Griff doesn't want to come off like a diva. Cut this out. All right, cool. Right, thanks, Ty. Okay, so what was nice about this was, and it you know evokes past ken norton jr approaches to arizona when when they're having success was there was a lot of them being able to get their outside linebacker dropping to the right area now clint hurt also mentioned that they went into this game expecting a lot of formation into the boundaries so that's where you have the uh, offense aligning more players into the short field so why they do that well creates better angles but it also there's less room there, so maybe they come back across the field, but also it creates room outside if you want to run away from it. There's there's many reasons for that. He also mentioned they expected four strong quads kind of formations and a word he called bingo, which I think is what they called uh, quads, which would make sense given a bingo drop is like dropping in, in that manner, kind of. So, Griff. Yeah. Do, did you see that too? The the, the outside linebacker dropping in, in a nice fashion. Yeah. Um, you, you know, when, when they get 
four receivers to one side or even when it's not and they get three receivers to one side um you know the offense is flooding the defense so the defense wants to be able to flood them back and get numbers so that they're not outnumbered to one side of the field so um we saw a lot of you know that that principle that we talked about in, in past episodes here where they drop the outside linebacker to the same side of the nickel um or even when you're when you're in um even when you're in uh, uh base personnel um dropping the the strong side outside linebacker um and that's essentially you're, you're just getting numbers to where to where the receivers are so a lot of the rpos that they do um it's uh if if they're if they're throwing a bubble out there you've got and and there's three blockers you can get three bodies on each blocker and then somebody's running free to go tackle the player and a lot of those um screens and swing passes um they didn't go for a lot of yards they might have nickel and dimed them a little bit but all the explosives like that they've the defense has been giving up was vanished this game um and i think that when they're in that uh five one five look or even three four true three four look personnel um even though you can be in danger of getting your outside linebacker walked out and and forming an overhang with a guy that's 250 plus um they're also letting that go ahead on that point as well griff they flashed a, a tiny bit of having the nickel was the second edge rusher but playing bear to avoid right. that, like they ran against the Giants, which is cool to see. And I, I imagine if it had been a closer game, we'd have seen that crop up a bit more. So, like you said, you don't really want a 250-pound dude doing that, but you want to run Burn, you want to have Cody Barton and Jordan Brooks out there. How would you do that? Well, take the 250, one of the 250-pounders off. Right. And, and and but so back to when they were in the, the 5-1-5 looks or 3-4 or, uh, looks, um, even though that could work against them, they were using it so that it worked for them, and they made sure that they rotated week down with Ryan Neal so that that drop wasn't – that guy wasn't one of three underneath droppers. He was one of four underneath droppers. Um, and and it's really just getting – it's very simple. You're just getting numbers in the right place, and that was kind of their their early game RPO answer. Um, and, and the run element of RPO was, was Murray. It, it was like an empty – um uh rpo proposition and then when he when the read meant keep it meant take off the defensive line just in every facet dominated the cardinals offensive line i mean just absolutely even like you like you posted um a clip or, or a screenshot even when cardinals have the right scheme and the right you know the angles the numbers and everything they Nwosu was a two-for-one player. Puna Ford, Quentin Jefferson, they're all two-for-one players on the on the weak side of those runs. So it was just uh, kind of hilarious to watch. Oh, it was marvelous. Absolutely marvelous. Um, Puna is, I think, the player who's, you know, embraced this new, the new techniques up front or the old techniques, the, the reversion to what they were doing in 2021 the most in a way because, like, I mean, they've all benefited, but he was lost playing this kind of mirror-stepping, like passive, read-and-react uh, deal. But now, as a three technique, he's... I mean, and the Cardinals' offensive line is poor, right? But he's just dominating guys. And even as a four-eye, and you've put it in the notes, Puna having a split-leg stance when he's a four-eye, I think that 
so when we're talking about here on the inside of the tackle and Seattle still does use this uh, inside of the tackle alignment rather than three technique on the outside shoulder of the guard, they use it in bare fronts when they have tight end to their side, for example, or mm-hmm. perhaps to pr- protect, say, a nickel on the edge or perhaps a quarter safety behind them. So the quarter safety is kind of expected to fit in the run a bit more. And so to buy him time, they use a four eye. But even now, like when when Puna's aligned on the inside shoulder of a tackle, that split that stance is almost like it's so he can step into it a bit more. It's not a power step, but he's more come into balance in that lateral step. But it's much more powerful than what we saw when he was doing the old way. And it seemed the old way. He was lining up like, like one yard off the ball. He wasn't lining up properly yeah. in the and, trenches. And you know, for and I think it's very specific to him because he he's very, you know, dense and compact and everything, but he just doesn't have the raw mass to, to anchor on, I guess, certain looks. So it's letting him kind of literally game like physics, gain more, more momentum and pack a bigger punch so that he can engage the block better. Um, I really feel like a lot of this, you know, more on average, more three techniques than more four, I four techniques, because I, I really wonder part of it isn't just, the alignment and then the post snap techniques they're playing, but how they are reading their keys, letting them process faster and then play faster. Cause when you're a three technique, you're, you're heavier on the guard, right? With your eyes than you are the, the, the tackle. So you're letting whatever the guard does inform your play. They ran counter and maybe they were just game plan the crap out of them. Um, but you know, they ran um, not power. Sorry. They ran counter to the weak side, right? A lot this game. And anytime that guard left, it's like, all right, I know exactly what I'm doing. And they just, they whooped that, that right tackle, you know, endlessly every time. Um, and they just, cause they knew exactly what was coming. Um, so I, I really wonder if, you know, if it's also helping their ball get off when it's a pass, when it's a drop back, when they're the same front, I don't know. I don't know, but they're, it's just, they've, there's this huge downstream effect and it's all of its positives. So it's pretty cool yep. to see. And watching the broadcast when Kyla Murray did check the ball down, we suggested uh, in our live tape reaction that that was a symptom of Seattle's coverage actually doing well. And the tape did confirm that there was nothing open deep. Uh, there was a few kind of away from the fast three. So Seattle in middle field open, they've pushed their coverage with the fast three to that side, there's a few of those where Seattle should have perhaps, uh, not Seattle, Kyler should have thrown the backside dig or there may have been an opportunity to, but then like that's the coverage yeah. and he didn't. So like they're disguising well, they're doing they're doing well. And I thought um, in, in the passing downs, well, actually, no, Drift, you, you saw the same, right? The, the deep coverage was removing stuff and they were, kind of over the check down as well it was pretty much just kyla's legs yeah uh the way that they're matching those those deeper patterns um you know a lot of coaches on twitter talk about getting layers on defense um you know they're the offense is trying to get like stretching elements of of the 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 zone like vertically you know get, get three routes going and so that means if you've got um two layers of defense and you've got three layers of offense, then someone is getting high load, um, whether it's at the third level, second level or, or first level. So Seattle, just the way that they're relating to 
you know, relating to the routes, letting the backfield um, distribution inform like where they can push, where they can't push. Like if, if you if you take screenshots of them, like with a lot of these plays and some of the concepts Cliff was throwing out, they were pretty involved, I'd say. Um, and you took a screenshot, you've got literally like a, a line of like, like, like a uh, eclipse almost of Quandre on top of Brooks on top of Ryan Neal. And they're all 10 yards apart. Um, Cause that's where the routes are. And they're just, they're not letting their players get high load and it's everyone, each individual playing their rule, their rule. Right. Um, so it's just, it's, it's, it's really like last year when they were just defending anything and everything downfield. Um, so yeah. It's happening. It's um, happening. No, the th- it's happening. Uh, the third down as well. If I feels uh, I saw it last week as well, but they're now they're now they've sorted their stuff out. They're disguising a bit more obviously well, not obviously, that's the wrong word, but they're they're disguising more often and in different ways. And it's really the layering of the, the each coverage into the disguises really starting to show work yeah yeah um and and the the calls that they trotted out there they weren't very like hyper specific to arizona's personnel like it wasn't we have a hopkins game plan here because they've definitely had games where it felt like they've game planned a specific receiver this didn't feel like that this felt like they were more game planning maybe murray where his eyes were gonna go and where they weren't gonna go um but they they were comfortable in every call because they played quarter quarter half which is cover six half quarter quarter which is cover eight they played a little bit of cover one um a good amount of cover three um and they were willing to put their guys on islands with hopkins they were willing to you know they weren't really concerned with robbie anderson now these guys are just getting going right in arizona because they've just either a new team or getting back from suspension but those guys are still dudes and they didn't act like they were dudes so um now is the is that tremendous trust in Tariq Woolen? Is that tremendous trust in Mike Jackson and the safeties to do their part? Or is it uh, maybe should they have game planned them a little bit and they got, I don't know, maybe they got lucky? I mean, I, that's not how I see it, but I don't know. What, what, how did you perceive how they, how they um, accounted for their receiving threats? Yeah, I saw the same things as you. Which, I mean, boring for the podcast, but it, that's what happened. And Woolen, in particular, had a great game. Obviously, he got beat on that Ertz touchdown, which we spoke about in the, the post-game reaction. You could analyze that from the broadcast copy. But Pete mentioned how he varied his press technique, and that really did show up. And for the yeah. first time, we saw Woolen using... A quick jam, which is where you jam rather than using your feet first and then bringing the hands, you literally punch at the line of scrimmage immediately and then work back to stay on top. And Woolen was able to do that in middle field close, so cover three, well, only cover three, one cover one rep. And he was able to do it from outside leverage where he'd use his uh, outside arm and then snatch to stay on top. And he was able to do it in inside leverage and use his inside arm, although that was more in middle field open stuff. But it was just really cool how he used that change up. He obviously had press bail and he had his, his usual soft shoe, like kick slide out 
technique. So testament to Carl Scott's work with him, that he's already at this stage. But also that quick jammer really gets hands on guys quick. And it's a real good change up. And it's probably the most physical thing in his in his toolkit right now. And Hawkins didn't like that. <laughs> like so that really works. Right. Uh, Drift we should just to finish with the defense, we should mention that a Chen and Nuosu had an astonishing game in pass coverage, pass rush, run defense, everything. The, the, the guy did everything. I mean, there are situations where anyone in Nuosu's shoes should be screwed, and he single-handedly was was riding was riding the ship um, in a lot of those looks, like having two pullers and sidesteps the first one, dips under the second, and gets one hand on Kyler Murray, and he like tornadoes around, and, and the next guy can rally and and, and play it. Um, also, a lot of though, like a lot of those weak side runs, um, what really helped though was the second level getting leverage on those blocks, forcing the ball back, and that let everyone else rally. So even though like they're not making the play, they're 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 kind of preventing the explosive run, and then everyone up front is then preventing the the six to the four to six yarder, and they're turning into zero to two yarders. So it was really good collective team defense and the fact that they didn't have a lot of specific things planned for like um, schematic actions, like, you know, like run oriented defending stunts or fire zones or, you know, being a certain fronts for it. Right. I think that means that they all collectively focused within those fronts to defend the run really well. Like we have to be super aware of these, where this, like these are our indicators, you know, we have to overplay it. Um, so I, I think like that was kind of um, it, it allowed them to live in the coverages they wanted to live in. So and it hinged on defending the run well out of out of this stuff because on paper they weren't necessarily sound for it, but you become sound for it when you're more you know the players individually are prepared for it. So um, whatever it did, it worked. You know. Um, one thing, one thing else I want to bring up on the defense, though, talking about how uh, Tariq Woolen, if they're going to trust him with Hopkins, and we've got another game coming up where he's going to have Mike Evans out on the perimeter. If you don't have to distribute surplus or whatever you want to call it, extra resources to defending the sideline when you've got a guy out there like that, if you can work with the assumption that Tariq Woolen can just handle it, that means you can play quarters to his side whenever you want that means you can play cover three to his side or not to his side cover three collectively whenever you want and then that lets you lean further into how you want to handle who is your overhang slash adjuster to that side and then who also is the fourth rusher who's the seventh dropper like that whole game when you've got that assurance that gives you so much more flexibility um, cause everything is like you plug one hole and it leaves another hole somewhere else. It's like whack-a-mole, mm-hmm. right? That's With, defense. Yeah. That's defense. So if, if you can work with some base assumptions that, okay, we're good here. That means it's like, that's a, a pivot point. Then you can swing your arm out however you want in, in other areas. So if Tariq Woolen is giving the coaching staff that much confidence, I mean, that's huge. Um, moving forward and it's indicative of how much confidence they, they have in him and the dude's a fifth round rookie who was incredibly raw so just even more to your point about the work carl scott's doing with him so and pete carroll was saying this he was like carl's doing a lot of work with these rookies like they're really coming along further along than they thought they would so yep and also shelby harris had a good game as well yeah 
Yeah. I mean, they just, the whole D line really bullied the heck out of him. Bruce was good again. Yeah. I mean, Bruce is a, he's a good player. Um, dude's 35 and he's a good player. So didn't take part in today's techno Thursday. So, uh, yeah. Respect the, and the, that. the, the Germans love techno, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. They were all very upset about that. Yeah, he's Bruce Irvin not really endearing himself to our friends across the pond. He'll need to work on that. No. no. Um, so, offense. So, this is a weird one because a lot of Waldron's concepts are well covered and the Cardinals disguise really well and they span into some wild stuff like a lot of, like, true like three double cloud and like um tampa two invert and mm -hmm. then also played tight cover one and fire zone and lots of good stuff right but then they also gave up 31 points and they couldn't stop certain plays and i mean when you hear about defense which is doing all that kind of disguise and is multiple and and has the different looks you then that thing is, is it sound and I mean it may be sound it may not be sound I think actually the Cardinals biggest problem was they didn't have linebackers who could deal with the boot like basically what seemed to happen was Seattle come out in 13 personnel the C yeah. gap would go to one side and so the, the linebacker responsible for the C gap would bump into the A gap then that C gap would slide uh, post snap across the line of scrimmage on the slide route and the linebacker would just stand in the A-gap, not rocking back with it. Like, yeah. what are you yeah. doing here? Um, <laughs> so that was bad, keying from the Cardinals. But And the funny thing is, is like, it's not plays, it's all keys. Because mm -hmm. what made the routes work, like the routes were the same. What made the routes work was the combination of pre-snap personnel alignments and then the initial backfield flow, like who's going where. But then... By the time the actual routes are out in the pattern, they're identical almost. You know? Yeah. It's just hilarious. And I felt the offensive line played okay. Like most of it was covered sacks. They 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 were given good time for Gina. They bullied JJ Watt on the interior. JJ's they... so done. It's sad to watch. But put him out. It's a name to say they bullied. <laughs> yeah. I bet it's sad. I mean, this game I was I was like, oh man, he is like even last year, he was still like a, a average player. This year, he's a jag. You can't separate him from Zach Allen sometimes. Um, sorry, JJ. The uh, well, is that not because Zach Allen is also white? That that's exactly what I'm getting at. But right. nothing else is. You can't tell them apart. <laughs> so out of like out of your okay. periphery, you'd be okay. like, was that JJ or Zach? Because they're not doing anything on the field. Okay, so. Gino himself, I felt there was one play where I felt that on that locket uh, crossing route where he took us, he got whacked on the sack. I felt he could have lofted that over the curl flat defender. That being said, that was That's after so he'd almost thrown a pick and he'd been pick six. So, in terms of risk, it's like mm, we no, he can't afford another turnover here. He could have easily flipped his hips and hit two checkdowns though on that play. And I think. Yep. It I think he just I mean that, that that's the play we can criticize him on for this game. Um he had a check down there. I think he was just his clock was just thinking, I've got that, and then it was like, oh too late. Yeah, yeah. I need to. 
Yeah. Um, Good old Gino. Uh, and then that pick was bad on reflection. I think what happened was he thought he thought the linebacker was covering the back out the backfield. Because mm. he sees the linebacker, the middle linebacker come down, the off-ball guy come down immediately with the back out. So I think he then looks to his contact as like some kind of high-low thing on the outside. And he still thinks the linebacker's coming out. Um, now, he then he looks at his back and there's no one on the back. So he throws it and it's actually the linebacker was being a rat. And the the whoever it was who picked it off, he was appealing with the running back. So he pass rushes, but if the running back's out, he takes him out of the backfield. And he did a good job just like latching onto the tackle before expanding. And he covered that as pick six. And again, that was bad on Gino. Just needed to really check that a bit more carefully. But, you know, that won't happen again. And then, yeah, I, I've some crazy good throws. Like the, the throw to, you know, he's staring down a, a dig front side. It's into Tampa 2 invert. The window's almost there. And then he's feels the pocket collapsing around him. He can't wait on that one any longer so the backside throws the curl route yeah gorgeous gorgeous throw on, on a big third down as well where he hits Noah fan and uh, it was quite early in the game but that that was amazing and it then was this, yeah go ahead well th- there was another great throw but i can't remember it was it was the, the backside it. dig to to lock it on that third and sort of 14 third and yes 12. Third, and four, third and 14 yeah um it's funny when they run that play when Lockett is weak, they run a dig. When they run that play with when DK is weak, they run a curl. Um, that is funny. And it's like it's the same concept, um, really. But um, yeah, and so this was uh, the drop back game. This game was more pure, like kind of Shanny McVeigh, like as we've seen it in recent iterations this past few years. Um, and the reason why they haven't done a lot of it, they've certainly done it, but they haven't done as much of it as maybe we thought going into the into the season is because they've realized they have a quarterback that can just dunk on people. So, like, you don't need to, you know, s- slice and dice in that way. But really... So was the Shani McVeigh thing a safety blanket because Waldron couldn't get a beat on what exactly Arizona was because of how weird the defense kind of is? Um, I mean, maybe... But he also knows that they do enough spot dropping that windows are there. Yeah. And with and even though even though they can test those windows, when you've got a quarterback who can execute really highly within those plays, um, you you can just out execute them. You can just be better than them at what they're doing. Um, and uh, it's really great that Noah Fant is joining that chorus because along with DK and Tyler because. One, it's another guy on the field that can do it, but that's kind of that's what that's what really takes him from being a talent that you can scheme up in the play action game to really being a useful piece of your drop back game. Um, and you know, Shane Waldron has said you want three threats. You want it for play action sake, but you also want it for the drop back game. Um, and and Gino, the quarterback, knowing that they've got that guy in the progression because he's the last round in the progression. So um, maybe not the last one, but the second to last one anyway. Gino, knowing that he's got him there, like if, if I can just trust my eyes, read what the technique is of the defender, that Mike goes strong, 
I know if I snap weak, I've got Noah Fant there. And he that's part of why he was so confident in the pocket there and he didn't freak out, even though he got literally got bumped. Um, throws the ball with his shoulders square to the line of scrimmage. It's because he knows in his head the play is going to work if I stick with it. So um, even when under duress. So that that's just high-level stuff. And really who it reminded me of the most was Philip Rivers because Rivers would do shit like that all the time where yeah you'd be like what how 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 is that yeah he's you know like while screaming about something right right in his southern twang and then he just pulls off a throw and it's like in structure but he's at the same time in philip river's own way creating at the same time like gino's creating there right even though it's in structure and all that stuff um so it's it's really cool to see that um the the other big well i think there are two other pieces of this game when they offensively, when they had success, well, you talked about all the the play action slide stuff, but they came out in heavy personnel. They kind of focused that a little bit more in the first half, whereas that was more of a second half game plan adjustment in the first Cardinals game. So clearly they just went back to the well. They went back to what worked. And um, it still works. <laughs> and it, it, yeah, and it still works. They, they clearly, for the reasons we talked about, they clearly can't correct to it. So, um, it kind of takes so, them out of their game a little bit because they, they want to pick apart passing indicators. That's what they wanted. That's what Vance Joseph ultimately wants to do. And his answer for the boot is blitzing it. Um, when he doesn't have a blitz called, they clearly uh, clearly have no idea what they're doing. Waldron realized that and just exploited that element all game long. Yeah, that was um, awesome. When, when they're in under center. But then the other piece of this, unless you have another comment you want to jump in, was when they did go into dropback situations and they did show pressure or indeed send pressure, the first Cardinals game, they just couldn't quite beat it. If they did read it out, they couldn't block it up. Gino couldn't get the perfect throw off or maybe they, they didn't protect right. The running back didn't pick up the right guy. If it was full slide and he had to find him or, you know, it was uh, essentially forcing man protection. The running back just has to find the unblocked dude. Um, this was a game where they spent a, like I feel like more time pre-snap um, against their pressure looks to try to really suss it out and figure out who's coming, who isn't, and then Gino just getting to the open guy like multi like a couple of those a couple of those conversions where they had especially after the after the interception when they really got rolling um, it was just Gino hitting hitting quick gains um, and and finding out who the blister is finding out essentially where the flat defender isn't. And, and getting the ball out for little short gains to move the chains. Great stuff. And so what do you think of Kenneth Walker? Because I, 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 we said about how perhaps he'd missed some holes in the post-game uh, reaction. He So he and definitely take... didn't. He definitely did not in the final drive. Yes. Final two <laughs> right. drives. Right. I mean, I he think found the everything. the tape showed probably less than the broadcast suggested. I think the run blocking had its moments of, you know, just run blocking being a bit random and needing mm-hmm. kind of perfection at times. But um, the the egregious one was when he didn't follow the fullback through um, down at the goal line, one of the goal line inside the red zone, because that would have been a first down, uh, well, a touchdown, but he just kept bouncing it and there was a crease there. But yeah. I mean... It, I, it was nowhere near as bad as I think it may have looked yeah. on the broadcast. And then that final drive was unbelievable. Yeah. And they mixed in counter in an interesting way for him. Oh, did they? I'm trying yeah. to remember. 
Well, sorry, we'll, sorry, we'll go power, on. Great power. I mean power. It's like, okay. Yeah, I yeah. No, no, I, re- I remember that. I know. Yeah. Um, they pulled a guard. Um, they did. Can confirm. Yeah. He running backs don't or linebackers don't know what to do with him in between the tackles when he's at his best because he will if it's uh he'll 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 follow the block as needed but then when they're thinking they need to when he's pressing uh, his initial gap the linebackers are thinking okay do we need to fall back for this his ability to hit the front side gap that opens up at the speed that he does when he's not like full go, it's just crazy. And li- the linebackers can't track how fast he's actually moving. Like, I don't think it's one thing to not be able to catch up with him, but as far as their eyes go, I don't think they're expecting him to go that fast. And before it's too late before they realize it. Um, some of those runs that he had where he's just kind of like, he's like progressively like bouncing front side off of his blocks as they continue to climb is like the play's over before they even know it. And um, you can almost kind of see the surprise on their, in their body language, trying to defend it. And it was crazy. It's like, that's what we've seen all the explosive runs already. Right. But those, those like four to 12 yarders that we're seeing, not that they're going to be 12 yards every time, but that's the optimized version of, of his skill set in between the tackles. And that's really exciting because I think we're going to see more of that from him in addition to those home runs that we get feels like one to two of a game where he's hitting something 20 plus yards. Um, so yeah. Agreed. And maybe Griff will see that in Germany where the Seahawks play the Buccaneers and surprisingly, perhaps the Seahawks are 2.5 underdogs. Are they? They are, despite the fact that Tampa Bay are four and five, and the Seahawks are six and three. I wonder so, why that is. Is is does the market lag? Do do people that are sport better, sport bet extraordinaires? Is is that a phenomenon? Huh? What? A sect. Mm. We had a comment actually from the pencil sect in oh, from right. the last podcast saying that. HB is to do with pencil softness. So thank you very much for that. I apologize. I forgot. Yeah. So if the sports better contingency of the Seattle overload audience, drop a comment, tell us why they're underdog 2.5 underdogs. Um, Explain yourselves. Well, technically it's a road game for Seattle, right? Is that part of Yeah. But like that, that's nonsense. Right. No, I agree. But I'm wondering, could that be why? I don't know. So th- this game, I think for Seattle offensively, uh, Todd Bowles will his single high defense is like really simple. Like as far as coverage tools go, he knows but Gino Griff. He does know Gino. That's a good point. I wonder if that will be at play here at all. Um, Probably not. But so like what I'm saying is they just do a lot of spot drop, but where he is an interesting defensive mind is that, or where he kind of hangs his hat when he is playing one high, because he likes to be gapped out when he can, um, is he'll disguise who's rushing and who's dropping, like uh, that that sort of thing. Or, or he'll give you a pressure look, and then he'll disguise heavily, present too high, come down on one high. But it's just... Is there a way to stop that, Griff? Well, yeah, you can... You can 
use all the coverage indicate pre-snap indicators that you can do you, do you want to you want to take the ball and run there run with well it? i i was thinking griff you, you could talk about the pistol looks so this could be the the game to use like full house pistol um start a full house pistol and then motion out into motion out to whatever you want to motion out into but it will force um linebackers to adjust their um to to adjust their alignments and then you can undress themselves undress themselves you can figure out who the overhangs are and and who's rushing that helps you to know how to set the protection and stuff the beauty of what seattle's been doing recently is that they've been playing 12 personnel but then they haven't been afraid to shift into empty or spread looks out of it um so this would i mean it's kind of their usage for that is kind of perfectly aligns with who they're playing because that will really help them with, with the whole pre-snap game and if gino does figure you out i think we're going to get some wide open seam routes up the middle when they are in cover three um but uh it's the too high stuff where it gets really interesting um because that's where Bowles will trot out his combo coverages. He even has a couple of cover seven calls for like third and must pass situations. That's like man match quarters, right? Um, really hyper specific coverage tools to erase certain um, receivers. Of, he used to do loads of two cover two invert stuff. Yeah, and he, he even loves two man, like two man match too. I don't know if he's doing that this year, but. Uh, so it'll it'll be. I mean, they're a good defense. It'll be hard to throw on them. Um, and so I, I wonder how they handle. I wonder how they handle the gun constraint runs. Um, but we're we're gonna see. I think we're gonna see a really long, or what, what am I saying? Here? A slow, methodical game pace, so that the as much can be won pre-snap as possible. Um, Makes sense. And then yeah. Tom Brady's the Buccaneers quarterback, Griffin. Uh, he's he's right. Yeah, he he he's still Tom. Like the the zip he can put on the ball is still crazy. Um, it, yeah, there's a lot of other issues which have, have made them four and five. It's not like Tom regressing necessarily. Right, right. Now I was talking to um someone yesterday, uh, Paul Atwal on Twitter, who is a covers the Bucks, and he was um. He was telling me like Tom skill set wise is still pretty much Tom who he was last year and everything, but he he is playing with a little bit of a kind of messed up timing um, as a as a negative uh, result from their offensive line injuries that they've had. Um, but then in recent weeks, the offensive line has gotten better, but then Tom hasn't caught up with it. So it's like he needs in, in Paul's words, he needs to recalibrate himself a little bit with his timing. Mm. Um because he's kind of missing some things downfield and being too quick to check it down. It's like he's a little rattled playing it safe. Um, so that's interesting. Inter so it's interesting for Seattle's sake because will he will he unleash a little bit more? And then Seattle will be tested by the talent that they have. Even if Godwin isn't having his best year, he's still Chris Godwin. Mike Evans is still Mike Evans. But if he doesn't, Seattle's problem relative weakness right now is still defending the check down. Now I feel like it's more of, and defending short in general. I feel like it's more of an actual tackling issue right now and less so a proximity Pass problem. Rush, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I feel like they're spaced for it now. It's just Kobe Bryant just got to make that tackle. Even Jordan Brooks had a missed tackle in the flat. Now it's a long ways to one. go. Ryan Neal had one. So it's like you just make the tackles, guys, and then you're good. 
Um, so how will that align? But the fact that he, they're doing not necessarily so much quick game, but quick passing, mm. how is that going to affect um, how they defend? Now, one thing we didn't talk about in the Cardinals game, and this might relate to it, when they were playing cover three and they would, the Cardinals would present those stack routes and then, or not stack routes, um, stack alignments. And you're in cover mm-hmm. three, you're wanting to play Rip Liz. Well, who's the number one? Who's the number two receiver? So Seattle just would spot drop their overhangs. Kobe Bryant wasn't always carrying a seam, especially when you send the running back out to the flat. So like, just make it simple. Have Kobe be the flat defender, have the hook stack a zone and, and relate to those routes. So are we going to see more spot drop from the nickel and the safety again out on the in the overhangs in the seams um to help defend like you know all the things tom will do in the underneath because he will find the soft spot and he will and they've had real issues with like mesh for instance the man like mesh still looked rough against the cardinals that's the one thing where brooks is like trying to push with the three when it's fast like you just find the next inbreaker, but he wasn't able to do that that well. Yeah. So I'm sure Brady will try that. That's one thing that they've shown. And the other thing I'd say is uh, Tariq Woolen, when he's in like a cover two cornerback, um, when the quarterback stops his feet or sets up, he stops getting depth. Um, now, that may have been a Kyler-specific thing, and it obviously does work, but that's something I think Brady would look to exploit. So if you see the ball thrown over... Woolen's head in cover two. Uh, watch out for that. And then finally, Woolen also busted a uh, cover three against Arizona, which they got away with. And I think that's the kind of rookie variance that's going to happen. His one went shallow. He ran with it when there was no, like, he, he should just pass that off and get depth to look for the, the next dude. And I think, you know, he, he'll have those rookie errors, but hopefully that doesn't happen against Tom Brady because it's Tom Brady. Anyway. I'm sure it won't. Uh, Griffin, score prediction. With the with the information, I'll give you this. The total is 46. Uh, I'm going the under. Yeah? I think it's going to be defensive game. I think Seattle will have another game where they they have some shining moments, but they don't have an, an explosive, explosive volume day. Mm-hmm. It's going to be – I think it's going to be um, – 21-17, Seattle. Interesting. I think the Seahawks win 31-7. You, you love those two numbers, don't you? I, I mean, I love 31, and I love 7. Yeah, I do. You're right. You got me. Okay, we'll be back with the Seattle Overload podcast where I'll be more awake. Griff will be very awake. My words. <laughs> You're getting up at 6, whatever it is. We're, we'll be back on Sunday with a uh, live reaction, probably about two hours because I need to get back from the game and I'm not sure I'll do it in the stadium. With a live reaction of hopefully beating the Buccaneers, hopefully going to win five in a row, hopefully going to seven of three. But if not, we'll still be there. Thank you, everyone, right. for tuning in live. Thank I you, have... everyone, for listening. Hold up. I have a joke that apparently plays really well in Germany. No, no. I'm so tired. Can we will tell jokes until morale improves. Can a kangaroo jump higher than a house? Yes, because a house can't jump. 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs>